Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. I'm having some fun talking to Jeannie Chilson from Chilson Motors. And we're talking Ram trucks. And there's an awful lot of pride that goes with the Ram truck owners and the technology and the creators of those Ram trucks. And they have a lot to offer. Absolutely. Ram offers anywhere from a 1500 series all the way up to a 5500 series. So whether you're just towing something around town or you need us to customize it for your business or for your work, we have the Ram experts to do so. Ram trucks are so versatile. You can find them working hard to a night out on the town and they fit right in where wherever they go. Absolutely. Ram has worked very hard to create an interior on their trucks that is really a luxury vehicle in a truck. Excellent layout of seating, appointments, and they have really worked hard on the detail of their trucks to give owners a really comfortable, well-appointed driving experience. Ram really looks out for their customers by creating great value in their truck. Absolutely. Ram offers so many different engine options as well, too, from the diesel to the classic V8 Hemi to the new TRX, which has a lot of horsepower. How can we find out more about Ram trucks? You can visit either of our two showrooms, Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Highway 53 in Chippewa Falls or Chilson's Corner Motors in Cadott at the corner of Highway X and Highway 27. Or you can visit us on the web at chilson.com. Remember, let our family take care of your family. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. On a Friday morning at Wax, chore time, shake of the day, baby. Bob and Joe with you as we take a look at the news in the world of agriculture on this Friday morning. Brent Wink is on his way. He'll be here in just, uh, oh, about an hour from now. We'll be Hearing what uh, Brent has to say, I saw a few wheels turning in some of the lighter ground around our part of the country, trying to get uh, a few things started, and we've got uh, a lot of things we're going to look at today. We're going to tell you about the weather. It's going to be nice and warm today, upper 60s, 50 right now is the air temperature. What's the two-inch soil temperature? Joe, just went out the back door, her major assignment of the morning is to check the soil temperature. <laughs> What'd you find? It's 50 degrees. It is 50 degrees out there this morning. All right. So, again, warming up slowly but surely. The problem is this weekend it's going to cool off again. So we'll talk about that. What's the latest tally at the Welke Land and Cattle Company? We're still stuck at 45. Oh, you got some of those old gals that are just uh, holding out on you. Huh? They are. Actually, I have three of them that are really close. I don't know how they're still pregnant, but right, well, maybe with the weather change, we'll get some calves this weekend. Yeah, it probably will. Yeah, that barometer pressure changes, and uh, they can they can feel it. That is for sure. So if you're in the, the calving process, good luck, and uh, hopefully we've got uh, good facilities Today we're going to talk about, well, when it warms up, what kind of problems and challenges do we get around the countryside? Bugs. Oh, yeah, Mosquitoes and ticks. Yeah, we'll talk about that today with an entomologist to get ready for that season. And uh, got a horse that's got Lyme disease. Oh, no. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The vet came out and they thought, oh, what's the matter with it, this, that, and the other thing? Lyme disease. Oh, jeepers, that stuff is horrible. Uh, So... 
kind of like COVID. It just keeps hanging around, but as long as we got ticks, be careful if you're out in the woods. I mean, even now, if you're out walking around in the woods, check yourself for ticks because they're coming out, and you don't want to be uh, caught up with ticks. Also, as far as news, cheesemakers, a lot of cheese produced in Wisconsin last year. Then the Master Cheesemaker Program, which really something. And yesterday, it was over at uh, Marika's Gouda, the House of Gouda in Eau Claire. Grand opening yesterday. I was over there uh, most of the morning yesterday. And uh, good crowds coming out, people looking and taking home their Gouda, including yours truly. They get uh, they did so they do some neat things and I'm sure they didn't dream it up but you know the big cheese wheels yeah in the middle there's when they cut off those wedges okay in the middle it leaves that round circular it looks like a like a you know a tube of Ritz crackers you know what they yeah. look like well yeah. you got a round tube like that it's cheese gouda cheese and so they're wrapping up and selling that now is uh, good gouda cheese so but some of that perfect size for crackers you slice off a round chunk. Put it on a cracker, and away you go, and oh, it's good. So in all their varieties. So that's neat over there, plus so many other good things. And uh, even bought some bought some brats at uh, House of Gouda. With, uh, they're made with smoked Gouda cheese in, in the brat itself. So looking forward to putting those on the grill here one of these days. So House of Gouda, now open over there at the uh, just off the Oakwood Mall, Behind the Oakwood Mall in Eau Claire, across from Applebee's in Eau Claire, if you're familiar with that. So, again, a lot of, lot of good things going on here. Price of milk went up a little bit yesterday. We're a long way from where we need it to be as April's getting ready to come off the board. So, lots of things to talk about on a Friday morning as we uh, as we go forward. Even talk about hemp. Price of hemp, that's not good either. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Today's going to be a pretty nice day. Partly sunny. Maybe a chance of some showers later on today. Going to be, oh, upper 60s, 67, 68, something like that. Then starting to cool off. 50 tomorrow, partly cloudy, a chance of rain. Sunday, cloudy, a better chance of rain, 45. 47 on Monday, a chance of rain early and kind of windy on Monday and 55 on Tuesday under partly cloudy skies, but uh, going to the baseball games, going to see the Brewers play on Saturday and Sunday, that's indoors, so I don't care if it rains or not. (laughs) And it'll also be uh, pretty nice sitting inside watching the Brewers play baseball on a Friday. 50 degrees right now, about 67, partly sunny today, maybe a few showers later. It's 5 o'clock. This is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. Here's some news. NBC News Radio, I'm Trey Thomas. The first round of the 2023 NFL Draft saw 31 new playmakers enter into the league. The Carolina Panthers kicked things off by selecting Alabama quarterback Bryce Young with the first overall pick. The Texans then went back-to-back selecting Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud second overall and Alabama outside linebacker Will Anderson Jr. third. Former Vice President Mike Pence testified in a federal probe Thursday about Donald Trump's alleged role in the January 6th Capitol riot. More from Brian Shook. The testimony comes after former President Trump filed an emergency motion to stop Pence from appearing. It's the first time in modern history a VP was compelled to testify about the president he served with. Reports say Pence testified for several hours. 
The White House says it did not receive a reporter's question in advance for President Biden's news conference alongside the South Korean president Wednesday. Biden was seen with a cheat sheet listing the name of a Los Angeles Times reporter and what appeared to be a pre-written question. Uh, it is entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues that we expect they might ask about. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre noted the question asked was different than what was seen on the card. Amazon shares slipped Thursday evening after surging earlier on first quarter earnings that beat expectations. Amazon's EFO Brian Orlavsky's comments on the company's earning call appeared to have spooked investors. Orlavsky said Amazon Web Services, or AWS customers, are spending less in response to what he called tough economic conditions in the first quarter. You're listening to NBC News Radio. Wax 104.5. And uh, let's take a look at what the weather looks like this morning. Brought to you by the Chilson Automotive Group here on Wax. Check out the great selection of new Rams at ChilsonMotors.com. Nice day today. Partly sunny. Should be about 67. A chance of some showers later on and then cooling off into the upper 30s overnight. 50 tomorrow, partly cloudy with a chance of rain. Sunday, cloudy, another chance of rain, even cooler down to 45. 47 on Monday, a chance of rain early. Kind of a windy day it looks like on Monday as well. Then 55 and partly cloudy on Tuesday. And right now it's uh, 47 in Rice Lake and Medford, 48 in Wausau, 46 in Marshfield, 52 in La Crosse. Green Bay, Madison, Sun Prairie, only 39. Milwaukee at 43. Down in Black River, it's also cool at 39. And right now, it's 50 degrees here in the Chippewa Valley. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's check our Friday markets again, courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance. And Jill, the cash livestock this morning. Choice fed beef steers are 168 to 177 with mixed at 118 to 167. Choice fed beef heifers are 169 to 180 with mixed at 124 to 168. Choice fed Holstein steers are 140 to 155 with select and silage fed steers 87 to 139. Cows are 78 to 91 with a top of 114. Bulls are 85 to 117. Butcher hogs are 30 to 62 with sows at 20 to 28. Boars are 10 to 15. Fed market lambs are 150 to 185. Feeder lambs are 95 to 260. Ewes are 47 to 155. Small goats are 35 to 160. Medium goats 145 to 275. Large goats 155 to 330. Nanny goats 30 to 265. And taking a look at the rest of our markets this morning, as we look at the futures market for livestock, cattle prices were higher, hogs lower yesterday. June live cattle 165.20. Closing up 62 cents. August 163.85 of 45. And October live cattle 167.67. That's up 25. Feeder cattle for May 211.52 up a dollar and a quarter. August 231.57 up 62. September 234.52. That was up 80. And October 236.05 up 82. Lean hog carcasses were, uh, those contracts mostly lower. May 78.12, down 15. June at 90.10, down 17. July coming out at 92.50, that's down 2 cents. August, the uh, only higher month for hogs. August lean hog carcass contracts closed 93.47. 
That was up 12 cents. On the Board of Trade, the markets were lower yesterday, waiting that big Brazilian crop to hit the market. Another canceled China corn sale, this one amounting to over 9 million bushels. So putting pressure on the markets yesterday and, for the most part, overnight. July corn down another nickel overnight at 576. The oats down 8 cents at 306. Wheat for July down 1 to 2 at 627. Soybeans for July did overnight go up 2 to 3 cents at 1406. Soybean meal up a dollar a ton at $428.40. Dairy markets a little better yesterday, but uh, still a down week. Barrel cheese up a dime yesterday to $1.59. Block cheese up three and three quarters at uh, one sixty-eight. Butter up a quarter, uh, cent and a quarter at two forty-one and a quarter. April class three about ready to come off the board now. That traded yesterday at eighteen sixty-two. May up thirty cents, sixteen ninety-one. June up twenty-seven at seventeen forty-five. July up a penny at seventeen ninety-nine, and August up four at eighteen seventy-five. As prices were mixed out through next February. Nine and a half minutes after 5 o'clock, and we'll take a look at some of the things going on in the world of agriculture as we move forward. 50 degrees right now, very pleasant. Man, we're 11 degrees warmer than Madison. Madison's only 39 degrees, so we got it good around here. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And just saw this notice coming uh, through this morning. Came out yesterday. We talked about farm technology days down uh, down around Baraboo this year. And, of course, next year in August, it will be in Chippewa County. It's out at the uh, Country Fest grounds is where it will be in August. And it looks like maybe that's the trend now because the notice from Wisconsin Farm Technology Days Incorporated says the 71st show, which will be 2025, will be over in Bear Creek in Wapaka County, Shawano, Clintonville area, and that part of the country. It's been there before. Jim and Sue Clinton, uh, Carrie Griepentrog, and Brad Clinton, owners of Clinton Farms in Bear Creek, are following a family tradition to host 2025 Wisconsin Farm Technology Days, August 5th, 6th and 7th. So uh, I remember when it was there many years ago. They hosted the 25th show, and that was back in 1978. It was one of the first years I was here. So, again, looking forward to going back to Bear Creek over in Wapaka County for the 71st Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Again, you got a 2025 calendar, which I don't have. You can mark it down, but we'll keep this handy and keep reminding you of Farm Technology, August in uh, 2025 over in Wapaka County. Other farm news to take a look at. We're going to do that in a moment. Brought to you by Chippewa Ag Solutions. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And courtesy of Chippewa Ag Solutions, Jill, let's take a look at some of the news. Cheese is in the news today. Well, those Wisconsin cheesemakers produced more cheese in 2022 than ever before. When the year ended, they had produced over three and a half billion pounds, about 300 million pounds more than 2021. Production of Italian cheeses led the way at almost 1.7 billion pounds, followed by American at just over a billion pounds each, with Hispanic, Munster, and Swiss varieties following those leading varieties. Mozzarella varieties at over 1 billion pounds led the Italian variety mix in the state. Speaking of cheese, the 2023 class of Wisconsin Master Cheesemakers has been announced. 
four new cheesemakers and one returning member earned their certificates this year. The one returning graduate graduate is Ryan Legrander of Legrander's Hillside Dairy of Stanley, who went back to earn his certificate in cheddar and curds. The Wisconsin Cheesemakers Program, which began in the state in 1994, is the only school of its kind in the country. So far, about 90 of the state's 1,200 cheesemakers have earned their certificates through the program. And it's kind of interesting if you look at it, and and initially I didn't know this, but uh, they go back for certain varieties. As we said, Ryan Legrander back in cheddar and curds. You don't get a general certificate, the way I understand it, as a cheesemaker. You go back for specific varieties, whether it's Italian and, you know, mozzarella or Swiss or whatever it may be. And I know some of the cheesemakers, they've got all kinds of medals around their neck. So it's a great program, and it really is uh, something that Wisconsin can be proud of. And one of the reasons we have the best cheese uh, that anybody makes in this country and around the world, for that matter. So that's very important. And the next story I want you to pay attention to because it's an example of what farmers can do if they don't sit on their hands and say, oh, look what they're doing to us now. Up in Polk County, they got involved, and this has been a pain in the farmer's backside for the last few years. But some farmers said enough is enough. They stepped up. Jill, what's that story? Well, the township of Lake Town in Polk County is a good example of what getting involved can mean for farmers. For the past five years, the town board has been pushing for ordinances that would not allow the sitting of CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations, in the township. But the farmers could see that the town board was made up of, made up of activist, non-farming people. So in the last election, farmers stepped up and were elected to the board. And earlier this week, that new majority voted unanimously to abandon any support for that ordinance. The new board members said they had enough of people that are uneducated in farming making decisions that were infringing on their right to farm. So you can make a difference. And that's a good example up there in Polk County. Been following that story and the challenges farmers have of uh, livestock agriculture. Some of those people in Polk County wanted to more or less get rid of uh, livestock agriculture, but uh, some folks saw what was going on, and they said, enough is enough. So congratulations to those folks up there for getting involved, whether you agree with their position or not. It just shows you that when you want to get involved, you can make a difference. So again, up in Polk County, they did make a difference. 18 minutes after 5 o'clock, again, we've got about 50 degrees out there. High today is going to be 67 under partly sunny skies. It's going to be the best day for, I don't know, the next four, five, six days probably. Partly sunny. Chance of showers later on, and then rain's going to fall. So is the temperature because 67 today, 50 tomorrow, 45 on Sunday. And a chance of rain Saturday, chance of rain Sunday. Kind of a chance of rain on Monday and a little windier on Monday as well. Not very breezy right now. So, again, it's a nice morning out there. 50 degrees in Eau Claire. Coming up, ticks, mosquitoes, what you need to know. We're getting into that season. So, again, we'll update you on what it is, how to treat it, how to stay away from it, how to check yourself. A lot of things to consider. Ticks and mosquitoes are summer friends. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 
But we were able to enjoy some warm weather recently. Spending time outside also brought more risk of coming into contact with ticks and mosquitoes. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. PJ Leash, state entomologist, says last year's tick and mosquito populations were a bit more subdued. But when it comes to determining what we'll be seeing this year, it all comes down to weather. Well, it's been really interesting with our weather this last week or so with those temperatures in many areas up into the 60s, 70s, or even 80s. With the warm temperatures, that meant a lot of folks were maybe out in the woods hitting the trails, doing some hiking or or doing other outdoor activities. And that did uh, lead to the possibility of tick encounters. And just as a little bit of perspective, uh, I have colleagues here in the medical entomology lab on campus, but then colleagues with Department of Health Services in the state and other folks that are out looking for and surveying for ticks. And they have been noticing quite a bit of tick activity in the last week simply because of those warm temperatures. And one other little tidbit of information related to that, uh, I have heard from local veterinarians here in Madison area of tick reports going back even into late February. So it's definitely that time of the year where as temperatures creep upwards and folks are spending more time outdoors that they should really be thinking about ticks because they are out there and they are active. So what might be in store then for the rest of the year for the tick population and things that we need to be aware of? I'd say that's really the the million-dollar question is always trying to forecast what will be in store for the rest of the year with ticks. And with ticks, it's a little bit challenging because when you look at the biology of our common tick species, they actually have these prolonged life cycles that take about two years. What that means is if there is some sort of condition, be it weather-related or other sort of conditions that are either really good for ticks or really hard on them, there can be a delay before we really see impacts of that. So in terms of what will the tick situation be like the rest of the year, it's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, And again, the Tick activity we've had recently doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have more ticks this year. It just means that we warmed up and they were active during that warm spell last week. So we're really going to have to stay tuned. But related to this, I will say um, last year, uh, 2022, it seemed that tick numbers were a little bit more subdued in in many areas. I wasn't getting uh, my phone ringing off the hook with tick reports and chatting with my colleagues around the state. Uh, It seemed that tick numbers were maybe average or or just kind of typical. They weren't, uh, weren't extremely high last year. So if things hold similar to last year, it might not be as bad as, as some previous years, but still with the medical concerns associated with these creatures, uh, it's always something that folks should be aware of and should have on their radar and make sure they're taking appropriate precautions. Let's transition into another pest, mosquitoes. What trends are we seeing so far with those? So it's really interesting with the mosquitoes, and I would say the pattern I have seen thus far is actually not that far off from the ticks in that with the last week or so with some warmer temperatures, I have had several reports of mosquitoes being active and biting people, especially in the southern half of the state. In the north woods where snow is still melting, a little bit quieter up there. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a bad mosquito year, and we can touch on that in a little bit. But when you think about all of our mosquitoes here in Wisconsin, and we have about 55 or so different species of mosquitoes, each species differs in some of the aspects of their biology and life cycle. And what I'm getting at is there are certain mosquito species that actually overwinter as adult mosquitoes in sheltered locations. So this could be small uh, rock overhangs along a river, kind of these cave-like environments. Some can overwinter 
actually indoors, uh, rock cellars and, and things like that. Uh, just these tucked away spots where it's going to insulate them a, a certain extent. And once the temperatures warm up to about 50, 55 or higher in the spring, those mosquitoes can become active. And so with that said, the last week or so when I have had some reports of mosquitoes and seen them myself, um, they were definitely out there. Folks were getting some bites and it was simply these mosquito species that overwinter as adults. And we have members of a a couple different uh, genera that can do that. What we really need to stay in tune for, though, is what is going to happen with the rest of the season, and that can be influenced a lot by weather patterns. And what I'm going to be watching in particular is going to be the weather over the next month or two, because the rainfall that we get in spring is really going to be kind of the big overall driver of mosquito pressure here in the state for this year. If we have relatively dry conditions, that should keep mosquito populations lower. And that's what we've seen in many parts of Wisconsin the last year or two with some of the droughty conditions. But if we have a rainy spring and early summer, that's probably going to set the stage for much higher mosquito populations as the growing season goes on. What can individuals do to help protect themselves from mosquitoes and ticks? I know there's things that, you know, put on the spray, check yourself, but what are some things that you suggest? There's really a pretty long list of things that I recommend, and especially when it comes to ticks, one of the most important things I would like to get out there is I want folks to be aware of what ticks are and the diseases that they carry. And most folks are going to generally be familiar with the adult ticks, but they may not be as familiar with the juvenile stages of ticks, which can be noticeably smaller, about half the size or even less than that for the larva, which is the very youngest stage of the tick. And so those juvenile ones can be harder to spot. I have some colleagues here on campus that are doing some cool outreach work related to ticks where they actually have mannequins dressed up and they will hide ticks on them. These are are dead ticks, of course, but then ask folks at uh, field days and, and other events to try and find all the ticks. And it turns out it's pretty challenging to be able to do that. So I really like folks to maybe spend a little bit of time, maybe just a couple minutes hopping online, looking at some pictures of ticks with some size references, just so you know what they look like. And also just to be aware of the diseases associated with them. We do, of course, hear about Lyme disease associated with deer ticks, but there's other diseases as well, like anaplasmosis, babesiosis, ehrlichiosis, and some other things. So that's the most important thing in my mind is be aware of what they are, understand a little bit about their biology. Now, some other precautions that we can take, uh, avoidance. And what I mean by that is if you know that there is a bad area for ticks, or mosquitoes for that matter. You know, there's just a lot of tick and mosquito activity in a given spot. Maybe it's a certain park or your favorite hunting land, that sort of thing. That might make the case that, uh, you know, you choose some other activity that day. Or if you are going out, make sure to take some extra precautions. In your own yard or on your property, there are some things you can do to help manage the vegetation and other aspects of the yard. We know from some research, if you have like a woody area with dense thickets of invasive barbarian honeysuckle, if you go in and thin those areas out, that can actually have an impact in decreased tick populations. And from a mosquito perspective, if you have standing water in your yard, that could be a puddle, it could be a low-lying spot in the tarp, or kitty toys out in a sandbox or something like that, anything that holds water that you can dump out, that is going to decrease the chances of mosquitoes breeding in those spots. A few other things, long sleeve clothing. That is a physical barrier between your skin and either ticks or mosquitoes. And if you are going to an area with lots of ticks, 
it might even make sense to tuck your pants into your socks. Then there's the repellents. There's some gold standards like DEET. There are some other EPA-registered ones like Picaridin, IR3535. And if you're looking for more of a plant-based type product that does have science backing it up, you can find it at most hardware stores, but the ingredient is oil of lemon eucalyptus. And I do caution folks, you can go on Facebook and, and other social media and find recipes for making your own repellents, which might smell really nice from the essential oils and stuff like that, but there's very little evidence to show that those actually work. So go with one of the EPA registered repellents and make sure to read the fine print on the label in terms of how and when you, and where you should be applying it. For ticks, make sure to do tick checks at the end of the day. And I say that because with deer ticks and Lyme disease, that tick really has to be attached to you for about 24 to 36 hours or longer for it to effectively transmit Lyme disease. And so if you go out in the woods and you come back a couple hours later and you find a tick on you, just because you've been removing it within a few hours, that greatly, greatly decreases chances of transmission of something such as Lyme and other diseases as well. So tick checks are important. Don't forget about your pets, dogs and outdoor cats and things like that can be affected by ticks as well. And then for mosquitoes, if you spend a lot of time outdoors with mosquitoes, there are some devices that are considered area repellents. Citronella candles would be a, a very well-known one, but those uh, have a very limited kind of area that they protect. But there are some newer devices that use uh, a repellent uh, pesticide in there, uh, a repellent-type product that is vaporized in the air. Things like Thermacell and, and Effie Johnson off, uh, they have some similar little lantern-type devices as well. And those can work very well if you are spending some time outdoors and the mosquitoes are bad. That can be a good way to keep them at bay. So those are some tips for both ticks and mosquitoes. And we thank P.J. Leash for that. Entomologist knows of what he speaks. And, of course, now it is outdoor season, so be very, very careful out there and make sure you've uh, got the ticks under control. And uh, one young lady that always has things under control is uh, Morgan McCarthy. She's in the newsroom this morning, and uh, you're getting ready for the year in outdoor, gals. Do you, when you and uh, Alex go for walks, do you tuck your pants in your socks or you know i do everything i was taught i tuck my uh pants into my socks i try to keep the sleeves long and uh anything to avoid the ticks because yeah they're nasty well, i tell you alex and i have been together for a while so we don't check each other for ticks very often anymore right <laughs> but sorry but you should i'm telling you this you know, is uh, it, you know in the back and things like that it's uh those things are na- you know you talk to people that I didn't feel good for so long, and I just had no energy, and uh, on and on and on. I went to the doctor. Lyme's disease, and sometimes you don't come out of it. Not even. My mom has struggled with that for a long time, and I'll actually tell you, if people think they're not out, they are. She pulled the tick off her about a month ago already. Oh, wow. So they are out, and uh, welcome back to that part of Wisconsin. It's a... As our snow lifts, it's the trade-off, I suppose, that yep. we take for that. Another example of how far your mother is ahead of the rest of society. <laughs> That's right. She's <laughs> always ahead of the curve, That's isn't right. she? Yeah, she sure is. What's going on? From the 715 Newsroom coverage, we are going to start with an update in our area, and this takes us to the courts with an attorney of the tables, a former Northwestern Wisconsin prosecutor looking at a decade behind bars for making sex tapes with women without their knowledge. This was a jury yesterday that came back with a guilty verdict for former Burnett County Assistant District a attorney, Daniel Steffen, guilty on all charges. Investigators say he used his iPad to secretly make those tapes. And uh, there was one woman who said that Steffen was actually prosecuting her at the time. She's now facing 10 years in prison when he's sentenced. 
On the political stage, uh, Governor chimes in and says he's been briefed. There was a train derailment. This was late yesterday in the southwestern corner of our state, and it did injure four people. What we know so far is that as many as 20 cars from a Burlington Northern Santa Fe train left the tracks near DeSoto. This was yesterday afternoon. Two cars were carrying paint that went into the Mississippi River. but They were later secured to the bank. Other cars carrying lithium-ion batteries and oxygen containers didn't make it into the river. So far, BNSF not saying what caused that derailment. Well, we can tell you locally an update. A driver who hit and killed a woman earlier this month in the town of Lafayette will not face charges. Chippewa County Sheriff Travis Hakes offering that update, and that was April 14th. No one's saying just what happened yet, but prosecutors again deciding against charges in the case. From Mother Nature, we've seen some of the footage of the flooding. The Mississippi River continues to rise and affect communities along it, which will be recovering long after the rain. Town of Campbell Supervisor Lee Donahue here says everything that has been touched by that flood water, that's actually considered contaminated now and has to be removed. We will be doing debris removal. We will have uh, town employees and volunteers assisting with that. About 100 homes in Campbell were damaged, though no one was injured. And up in the sky, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. Well, it's actually National Superhero Day as we celebrate our big Thor and maybe the small, like, underdog heroes. was the first back in 1936. Now Marvel says there are 8,000 superheroes. Marvel has more than DC. About 27% are female. Wonder Woman was the first in 1941. The top 10 says teleportation is the number one desired power by mortals, followed by flight and invisibility. To celebrate today, you can read a comic book, watch a marathon of superhero movies, or just walk around with a cape on, because you can. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. And my own personal superhero is in the barn. We better go back to him. Bob Bosel, Joe Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report is on Wax 104.5. I didn't know people called me Farm Guy. I didn't know that was like a superhero name. Oh, yeah, it is in my book. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. I know you could leap a tall building in a single bound. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you are the tall building a lot of times, Bob, right? Yeah, I'm always in the way, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, see you later. Have a good weekend. You as well, my friend. All right, and stay away from the ticks, so we'll find out what kind of weather we're going to have for ticks right now. We're going over to Skywarn 13. Mike Dandry is with us. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. I heard that your superpower is being able to jump all the way to the top of a grain elevator. No, I can jump down from one, but not, <laughs> not up one. That's that for might sure. hurt. And I can't do that anymore <laughs> by any means, that's for sure. But, uh, boy, I see a few uh, wheels turning some of the lighter ground around the area, and maybe a little bit more today, but then Mother Nature's going to slow us down? Right, for a couple days. Now, for today, we are expected to stay dry for at least the morning and into the early afternoon. Possibly a few peaks of sunshine, but still clouds remaining dominant. Then going into this afternoon, into the evening, a cold front moves through. We'll top out mostly into the mid-60s by this afternoon, but some showers, possibly some thunderstorms develop along that cold front. That dips our temperatures to around 40 tonight with a few more chances at some showers. Going into tomorrow and for Sunday, likely seeing a few more chances at some showers. Highs into the mid to upper 40s both of those days. Monday morning, maybe a lingering shower or two, but mostly cloudy and mostly dry. Highs still into the upper 40s, but then we start to get a little bit of relief going into the middle of next week as we'll have temperatures climbing to the low 50s for Tuesday, mostly sunny. Wednesday into the low 60s, still looking at a good bit of sunshine, and by Thursday, still sunny and looking at mid-60s. But right now, overcast, no clear, and a temperature of 50 degrees. And even 50 degrees, that's good. 67, why can't we just hold on to this? <laughs> Omega blocks and Greenwood blocks and all the other stuff that's going on. At Greenwood. Just, 
Our green, what is Greenland? Right, but uh, the the good the good news out of this is that uh, to our west there is what's called an omega block. Oh, here that, we go, another one of them. It's it's shaped like the Greek letter omega, and it does slide a little closer to us. It's usually toward well, in this case, it's towards the western U.S. and as it slides further east, it actually benefits us because it creates high pressure, which would bring fair conditions, and it brings us somewhat warmer temperatures, which is why we warm up into the mid-60s next week. Very well said. We thank you, sir, and you have a good weekend. <laughs> you bet. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Mike Dandry over at Skywarn 13. And again, our weather, our news, brought to you by Marika's Gouda. And don't forget the new House of Gouda here in Eau Claire. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. About 22 minutes before 6 o'clock. 50 degrees, partly sunny today, 67. we got markets, we've got Brent, we've got a lot of things to do this morning. Jill, uh, more farm news and a little bit of calendar. What's up? Well, let's talk hemp production in Wisconsin. Last year, it was up a little bit, but nationwide, there were fewer acres. Across the state, hemp growers planted 870 acres up 190 from 2021, but harvested harvested acres totaled 740 acres, up about 160 acres from 2021. Across the country, all hemp acres, including industrial hemp and floral hemp, totaled just over 6.8 million acres, with most of that being floral hemp grown in open fields. Nationally, hemp prices were way down as industrial hemp brought $212 million, down 70% from 2021, and floral hemp values reached $179 million, down 71% from a year ago. And a little bit of things happening around the area. The last St. Olaf's Men's Club All-You-Can-Eat Fish Fry is happening at St. Olaf Parish tonight starting at... Four, serving from 4 to 7 o'clock tonight at St. Olaf Parish in Eau Claire. So get your last bit of all-you-can-eat fish fry. All right. And uh, I saw this yesterday and uh, with Brent coming in, and he deals in high-dollar land here, agricultural land. <laughs> but uh, I saw this out in, out in Nebraska. The story was on the DTN screen, the DTN News. They sold uh, the Dumbbell Ranch. That sounds like a ranch <laughs> named after me. Yes. But the Dumbbell Ranch, 15,568 acres in Hyannis, Nebraska, wherever that is. And uh, it's part, it's, uh, it says it sits on one of the deepest parts of the Ogallala Aquifer, produces about 1,800 tons of hay from sub-irrigated meadows, and operates a 900-cow, cow-calf herd operation. The complete details weren't uh, released, but how much you think that uh, ranch sold for? It's uh, as we said, well, I, I'd it's be eighteen. Cheating. How many acres? Fifteen thousand five hundred and sixty-eight acres. I'd be cheating because I, I read the story oh, did you? last okay. night. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Sixteen point seven million, and he said is what it was listed for. Yep, they, that's what they sold in thousand seventy-two dollars an acre. We look at the per acre cost. That isn't that's a not bad, bad deal. No, uh-uh, you and Jill you put with, your money together. Sixteen point seven million. Yeah, we have to nice sell. Little, a, we'd uh, have to sell the herd. At you could bring your horse. Down there to round up those cattle, Bob. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wow, I don't think my horse could cover that many acres. Wow, but that—that's a lot. And they say at its prime, the ranch was composed of fifty-two thousand acres in nineteen thirty-seven. The ranch was split into three sections called the Pitchfork, the Three Circles, and the Dumbbell. 
And uh, the lady that is now part of the uh, Dumbbell Operation, Ann Anderson Bennett's family, they've been in it since 1913. Her brother has a separate career, and neither of her children wanted to return to the ranch. And uh, Bennett said, though, it's bittersweet. She's excited that a ranching family from Colorado is buying uh, that ranch. So it's going to stay in agricultural production. But $16.7 million. But like you said, $1,072 an acre, that's that's not up. It should be be fun to go travel around that much land. That that would would be be just incredible. That would be fun to... Climb on a horse and ride around and not have to worry about roads I think I'd take my ATV. I'm, I don't do well on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the first few acres, it wouldn't be yeah. bad. All right, Brent's with us. We've got markets to get to. We'll do it all coming up here on a Friday morning at Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's 18 minutes before 6 o'clock and 50 degrees out there. And it's time to hear from Jim Lindsay and Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers dollar thirty five to a dollar seventy seven. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers dollar thirty five to a dollar sixty three. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers a dollar forty two to a dollar fifty. Choice Holstein steers a dollar twenty five to a dollar forty one. Select under finished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers a dollar twenty four and down. Top twenty percent of the cold cows sold from ninety to a dollar one. We had a top of a dollar seven. Sixty percent of the cows sold from sixty six to eighty nine. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from sixty five and down. Organic market from Tuesday, eighty percent of the organic cows sold from a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty one. The bottom twenty percent of the organic cows sold from a dollar twenty nine and down. Cold bulls sold from ninety five to a dollar ten. Thin, full horn and lightweight bulls all discounted. Eighty percent of the ninety five pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from one hundred and seventy to two hundred and seventy dollars per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from one hundred and seventy dollars per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from two hundred and fifty to four hundred and forty dollars. Head. Our next special feeder sale is this Friday, April 25th, starting at noon. We will have approximately 25 to 30 bred beef cows, as well as a good assortment of beef and dairy feeders at this sale. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. And I have one correction. Jim said the 25th of April, and it's actually the 28th of April for their next feeder sale. That's today at noon. All right. So uh, don't look at your calendar and listen to what Jill has to say. She she knows it all. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And let's get more market activities. We'll go to the Stratford Equity Barn. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. And I'm sure your weekend dance card is full. You got a busy weekend? Well, we'll have to kind of wait and see what the weather does. Uh, always, I wouldn't say we're weekend is really full, but there's always a few things going on. And, and there's always a few other things that kind of come up unexpected, so we're ready for it. But, you know, I'm, I guess I'm looking forward to starting to get my lawnmower prepped up and ready to go. So I don't know when that's going to be, though. Well, no, there and some of these, where you're at, it's not a big deal, but some of these cities now are having no mow may for pollinator habitation. But I think... With all the rain we've had, I think we're going to have plenty of flowers and plenty of blossoms. I don't think the pollinator is going to need a, a whole lot of help, but if uh, that's what some people will do, that's uh, that's what some cities are calling for. But uh, we'll see. I'm mowing my lawn. I don't know about anybody else. Hey, wrap up the week for us over there at Stratford. Well, I was just thinking about no mow May. I mean, by the end of May, you'd have to get the hay in there. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> but anyway... Be that as it may, we better recap the markets here. Bob, thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. Most markets continue to be pretty strong all week here at Stratford. Uh, we'll 
recap the cow market this week. High yielding fleshy Holstein cows uh, selling mostly from ninety two to a dollar five, and we had some real fancy beef cows um, on uh, Wednesday's auction sell from one hundred seven up to one thirteen. Most of the cows this week seventy two to ninety two. Thinner cows, your plain cows below the seventy dollar money. On the organic market, every Tuesday, high-yielding organic cows, 150 to 162. Uh, fed cattle trade this week, choice grading beef steers, mostly from 155 to 169. Choice grading Holstein steers, uh, from 135 to 147. And uh, select grading cattle, underfinished cattle, 130 and below. Now we get into the bull trade. Your better quality bulls are mostly from uh, uh, 95 to $1.12. Lighter bulls below 90. Calves continue to be very strong, especially on the bull calves and the beef calves. 92, 130-pound Holstein bull calves, 150 to 300, and we did top this week at 365 on the beef calves, or on the Holstein bull calves. Heifer calves, uh, a little better demand on money's auction, mostly from 50 to 120 later in the week, mostly from 40 to 80 on those heifer calves. Beef calves now are very strong, 250 to 500. We did top at 590 on Monday's auction on those. And just want to look ahead to next week here. Of course, next hay sale will be next Tuesday here in Stratford. We're already talking May, May 2nd. Uh, next dairy auction will also be on Tuesday, May 2nd, uh, folks. We do have a complete herd dispersal, uh, kind of a short-notice herd. This just came up this week. So we are going to be selling 80 head of Holstein milk cows, of complete herd dispersal, dry cows, spring and heifers, uh, freestall house TMR fed, all AI breeding, and these are coming out of Shano County. And again, that will be sold on Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And if you guys want more information, just give us a call, 687 4101, and we'll be happy to furnish that to you. Also, more information on our website, Equity Co op, click on the Stratford page. Bob, that was what we have for this week. And like you said, a lot of stuff all going on, and as we'll see, hopefully, I uh, uh, wasn't paying too much attention to the weather, but Sooner or later, this sort of this coolish pattern's got to turn around here, huh? Well, I hope so. Yeah, Mike Dandry has said it looks like there's something coming in from the west next week, so hopefully after about Tuesday or so it'll warm up and stay that way. Hey, you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You betcha, guys. Thank you much. There he goes, Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Barn. For those who work in acres... Not an hour. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Brent Wink is with us. We'll get to Brent here in just a moment. But uh, wrapping up the markets, Board of Trade yesterday was lower, the big Brazilian crop, and another canceled China corn sale amounting to over 9 million bushels. So that's uh, two canceled sales in the past week. Also, the June crude oil price up 26 cents, but it's sitting at 74.56. So if gas prices are going up, ask them why. They shouldn't be at that price. Now, looking at the Board of Trade, as we said, down yesterday and overnight, July corn down a nickel at 5.76. The oats down 8 at 3.06. Wheat down 1 to 2 at 6.27. July soybeans up 2 to 3 cents overnight, but still sitting at 14.06. Meal up a dollar at $428.40 a ton. Country elevator prices. Northside elevator, loyal location, corns at 561 with soybeans at 1374. At the Arcadia location, corns at 565 with soybeans at 1379. Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls and Connersville location, corns at 546 with soybeans at 1370. And on our DTN screen, Golden Plump corn today is 530, 566. 
Baldwin and Durand have corn at 537, beans 1362 at Baldwin, 1356 at Durand. Mondovi, the corn is 541, beans 1362 at Elmwood. Corn is 534 a bushel, soybeans 1362. Fall Creek 527 and 1341, Osseo 556 and 1366. Out in Elk Mound, the corn is 549, the beans 1363. Sparta 557 and 1343, Ellsworth 527. 1341. Ethanol plants, Boyceville corn today, 582. Stanley, 571. New Richmond facility, 566. Barrel cheese went up a dime to 159. The blocks up three and three quarters to 168. Butter up a cent and a quarter to 241 and a quarter. April class three, 1862. Today will be the last day to trade that. May up 30 at 1691. June up 27 at 1745. July up one at 1799 and August up four at 1875. Friday morning, you know what that means during the planting, growing, and harvesting season. Brent Wink joins us on our Winfield United program. And uh, I saw a few wheels turning on some of the lighter soils, but uh, not the majority yet, huh? No, it, it uh, it's starting in a few spots. It kind of reminds me of like a NASCAR race when they <laughs> kind of they have that yeah. uh, flag and the cars kind of sit there warming their tires and swerving around the track and waiting to restart. And a lot of, uh, a lot of farmers doing that with the tractors. But I know they, in Pierce County, some planters got rolling in parts of Dunn County, Buffalo County, uh, obviously further south. Um, so there's certainly some planters that got rolling, and and hopefully next week we'll see a lot of them going. But yeah, it won't take long once uh, you know the ground breaks loose. We get a little little heat, little sun. Uh, it's 50 degrees soil temperature outside uh, in our sod this morning. So. It can warm up in a hurry. We just got to have Mother Nature cooperate a little bit. Y- yes, absolutely. Well, this morning, Bob, I, I thought that I'd kind of revisit a, a trial we did a few years ago. I spoke on it this winter at some of the events that I was at speaking at, but it was a, a seed planting depth trial. And when we looked at our answer plots on sand ground, clay ground, and silt loam, and most times when we go out and we look at problems or issues going on in the field, most times it is uh, plants that were planted too shallow you know in that root system that's that's where all of the things begin that's our crop nutrient uptake that's our that's our fertilizer availability uh, certainly uh the the plant's ability to stand or the stature of the plant so a lot of things from the planting depth uh, can be impacted so that year we'd looked at half inch planting this is on corn half inch one inch two-inch and three-inch planting on the different soil types and kind of just looking at its impact. And when we looked at the sand plots, obviously, as expected, in that half-inch to one-inch versus that two-inch, there was about a 70-bushel spread from going from one-inch planting depth up to two-inch, with the two-inch planting depth having 70-bushel more than that shallow planting on the sand. When we looked at the... Uh, silt ground from that one inch to two inch really uh, there wasn't a huge difference obviously the silt ground we want to see somewhere around an inch and three quarters and then again on the clay ground we didn't have as big of an issue but when it went too deep on the clay obviously it had a, a huge impact from a two inch planting depth to a three inch planting depth on clay we had about a 40 bushel hit and uh, obviously if it was planted too shallow from half inch 
to that inch and a half. That was about a 70 bushel hit. So basically, the 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 uh, conclusions of it, sand was not very forgiving. You needed to have that around that two inch, maybe even a little more if you do start running out of moisture, if we do straighten around and start drying out. And the silt and clay, again, that sweet spot being in that inch and three-quarter range, and again, not very forgiving if we got too deep, certainly on the clay. So one of the things as, you know, the, the corn planters maybe are ready to go to the field, but maybe the openers were a little bit worn and decided not to replace them. Again, taking into account where your seed depth is on that corn planter. So if you had it set from when the openers were new, maybe a year ago, two years ago, <clears throat> maybe you need to adjust those seed openers, adjust that depth to kind of take into account. So just... Be out there, dig up some plants, make sure that uh, we're getting things uh, right where they need to be because it can be very, very costly being too shallow. And again, most times the issues we run into is corn that's been planted too shallow. So on the silt and clays around an inch and three quarters, the sand maybe two to two and a quarter inches, again, depending on soil moisture as we start getting into the season. So hopefully that'll be happening full force by the middle of next week bob and we'll get to see a lot of slow moving vehicle signs and tractors <laughs> and uh, delaying everyone's commute a few yeah. few minutes but uh take and enjoy extra few sips of coffee and smell smell of that diesel boy that is for sure it's coming so make sure the planters are calibrated right and you know your soil moisture at planting, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. We're going to go from, boy, this rain will never stop. We yep. just know inevitably we're going to have a period here where it gets really, really dry. And sometimes we have to adjust our planting depth to go a little bit deeper to find that soil moisture to help with the germination process. Yeah, it won't be long, and there'll be some dust flying. Thanks, Brent. Brent Wake with us again on a Friday morning during the planting, growing, and harvesting season on our Cover in the Crops program. Brought to you by Winfield United. Quick check of our weather. Brought to you by the Chilson Automotive Group. Don't forget, they've got a great selection of new Jeeps right now at ChilsonMotors.com. Beautiful day today. Partly sunny. 67, maybe some showers later on. It's 50 right now, but then it's going to cool off over the weekend. What else is new? You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadar. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.